It's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz every weekday at thequiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at thequiz.fox. Now, from the most powerful city in the world, a new generation of conservative talk. Fair, fresh, fun. It's the Guy Benson Show with Guy Benson. It is Tuesday, August 24th, 2021. Welcome to the Guy Benson Show. I'm your host, Guy Benson. This program airs from 3 to 6 p.m. Eastern Time, Monday through Friday. We encourage you to listen live. If you can't, there's a podcast available on demand for free every day, growing in popularity thanks to all of you. GuyBensonShow.com is the one place to get all of it. GuyBensonShow.com. On today's show, here's the lineup. Congresswoman Liz Cheney, Republican of uh, Wyoming, is going to be here. She will react to the latest news on Afghanistan, and there is some significant breaking news that we'll get to. We will also chat with the executive director of the Republican Party of Florida about the constant attacks on their governor down there, Ron DeSantis. And I actually want to pick her brain about how successful the GOP of Florida has been compared to some other state-level Republican parties that have really been floundering. Senator Bill Haggerty Republican of Tennessee, he will also stop by. He and his office have been fielding lots of phone calls from people desperate for help in Afghanistan. You might call them stranded, although the White House would chastise you for doing so. He also was U.S. ambassador to Japan. What does all of this look like on the diplomatic scene, the international scene, when it comes to America's role in the world, the reputation that we have? We will ask Senator Haggerty about that coming up. Fox News alert as we begin the show today. Statistics as we always do. Coronavirus cases, 38 million in total, all time, over the course of the last year and a half plus during this pandemic here in the United States. It's a low ball estimate because of underreported cases and lack of testing in the early days. The death toll is now 629,644 Americans. That's the number that have died from COVID during this pandemic. The Dow is up in the green, 78 points up right now. Dow currently at 35,413. And we are 52 minutes away from the closing bell up in New York. Well, we are awaiting the president And we've been awaiting the president for remarks on Afghanistan for three hours. He was supposed to speak at noon. And we waited for two hours, and they said he's going to speak at 2. And they said, never mind, it's going to be 4.30. So perhaps the president will decide to address the nation on Afghanistan and give us an update An hour and a half from now. That is the latest time that we're expected to hear from the president. Again, that would be four and a half hours late if he shows up for that. And I would love to know what's happening behind the scenes. Because there are updates here that are very concerning out of Afghanistan. We do have positive developments. The airlifting of thousands of people that has ratcheted up 
in recent days. The last 24 hours, they got over 12,000 people out of the country. And that's good. There's an all-hands-on-deck effort with a huge amount of resources and manpower and airplanes. And we have deployed those resources in this sort of emergency, panicked way. And as many people that we can get out of there as possible who we owe right, a trip to safety, American citizens and our close allies, that's good. Now, I know I'm seeing some people trying to spin this into a huge success. It's like the Berlin airlift all over again, except this is a crisis caused by terrible planning and terrible policy. And to say, oh, well, look at the tens of thousands of people that we're getting out, that is not exactly a grand accomplishment given the context, and given the fact that there are still thousands of Americans and likely tens of thousands of allies that we owe, that we have a duty to protect, still stuck outside the airport somewhere in Afghanistan. Early this morning, I saw a tweet from Josh Rogan at the Washington Post, quoting CNN reporting that as of 5 a.m. Kabul time on Tuesday, quote, all of the gates are officially closed to Afghans, even those carrying special immigrant visas. That's now been the case for about 48 hours. That was yesterday at this point. The Taliban has now made statements saying that they are not encouraging Afghans to leave the country, and there are some indications that they are going to prevent Afghans from leaving the country, even those that have visas, that have helped us. The Washington Post reported that there was a firefight at the airport. Nearby the airport, there were Afghans with SIV visas or visa applicants, people who've helped us, who were shot and killed by the Taliban. We are in a race against the clock, and the clock now is counting down to one week from today, August 31st, which was the self-imposed, somewhat arbitrary deadline that the U.S. has been talking about potentially extending. Our allies are asking us for an extension, but the Taliban said no. The Taliban came out a few hours ago with a spokesman, and they said, we understand that some people want to extend the deadline, We veto that idea, and there will be consequences if America is not gone by August 31st. In fact, here's part of the clip in cut five. Listen. If they extend it, that means they are extending occupation. While uh, there is no need uh, for for that, I think it will deteriorate the relation that will uh, create mistrust between us. It will um, uh, provoke a reaction. It will provoke a reaction. So that's a threat. The United States saying we are trying to get our people, citizens and others, out of Afghanistan one week from today, that being the deadline. But we might want it to be a bit longer. Our G7 allies saying, yes, let's please extend. The Taliban said no. And then just a few hours after that, President Biden decided, it's now been widely reported, U.S. officials telling media organizations, Biden has decided we are sticking to the deadline. We are not extending it. And given that sequence of what just happened, it is really hard not to interpret that, and who knows what Biden is going to say here, if and when he finally decides to come out and speak, 
But it's hard not to interpret that as the Taliban just calling the shots. We float a trial balloon. Ooh, maybe we can stay a little longer to help get our people out. And the Taliban says, no, we don't accept that. And there'll be consequences if you try to extend the deadline. And then the president decides, okay, never mind. Lucas Tomlinson, who covers the Pentagon at Fox News, tweeted just 15 minutes ago, the U.S. military has started withdrawing from Afghanistan, reducing troop presence. That's according to U.S. officials. So the drawdown of our military presence has begun. While there are still thousands of Americans stranded on the ground in Kabul. And the president, evidently, in accordance with the timing demanded by the Taliban, a terrorist organization, has decided we are not going to stay as long as it takes, which is something that he's promised, actually, by the way. We are going to get out by the 31st. And I don't know how he can justify that decision while also keeping a promise that he's made a few different times in the last few days. It very much reads as though the Taliban is making the decisions that matter and dictating policy to the President of the United States, which is just astounding. A lot of observers are making the point, how can we stick to this deadline and even start drawing down troops right now if you don't even know how many Americans are left in Afghanistan and where they are and what percentage of them that you've so far evacuated. Because we've gotten thousands of Americans out, but thousands still remain. The president said last week that we would stay past August 31st if that was what it took to rescue any Americans still trapped in Afghanistan. There's no way he can guarantee that all of those people will be saved, and certainly not our allies, by August 31st. There are plenty of them who aren't even in Kabul. But now, based on the word from the Biden administration, some of the military withdrawal has already begun by American forces. Again, that report breaking 15, 20 minutes ago, and that the hard deadline, as insisted upon by the Taliban, will remain the deadline. Here's what Lucas Tomlinson tweeted a few hours ago. The Pentagon says the number of U.S. troops in Afghanistan will go to zero on August 31st. Unclear who would protect last Americans leaving. Months ago, the plan was to keep hundreds of U.S. troops at the U.S. Embassy in Kabul, but the U.S. Embassy in Kabul has now been abandoned. We ran away from it. The vice president speaking in Asia, Kamala Harris, actually tried to frame that as a success. Listen to cut nine. On the issue of Afghanistan. And to that end, we have seen a successful drawdown of the embassy. A successful drawdown of the embassy. The embassy that the State Department and the Secretary of State had promised just a few weeks ago would remain open and operational in perpetuity. That's what he was confidently predicting. Now it's abandoned, it has fallen. 
The plan was to have hundreds of U.S. troops stationed at that embassy. The embassy is now abandoned. It has fallen. And the vice president looks at it and says, well, look at our successful drawdown of the embassy. I mean, it honestly feels surreal. It feels surreal that the president of the United States seems to be making his decisions along a timeline while handcuffed to the whims of a terrorist organization. Adam Schiff, who is not exactly a paragon of credibility for many Americans, the Democratic chairman of the House Intelligence Committee, it was reported yesterday that he was saying, among other things, number one, there was intelligence that this collapse and implosion was very possible. To say that this was totally unforeseeable, was not true based on the intelligence, Schiff is undermining the White House talking points with that. But that's what he said. He also said, it is not likely that we will be able to get everyone that we need to out of the country by August 31st. It's just too soon. Logistically, given the serious problems and security threats that are currently marring this whole situation, that deadline is not realistic. Based on the intelligence he's seeing, again, this is Adam Schiff that we're talking about. And yet, earlier today, according to reports, and we will see if President Biden confirms this or not when he speaks later this afternoon, but officials at the White House and the administration are telling reporters the Taliban rejected an extension. They said no, so we're leaving. All troops out by the 31st, that's not changing. And then the update is some of them leaving already now with thousands of American citizens and others that we owe still stranded. And the White House seems to be most indignant at Peter Ducey for using the word stranded. I almost cannot believe what I'm seeing and what I'm hearing so far today. And yet, given the fiasco, the debacle, the shambolic series of decisions made by this president and his team, the astounding and shameful lack of planning and foresight and basic due diligence, maybe I shouldn't be surprised. The president is already more than three hours late. You wonder if they're writing and rewriting the remarks as they're making these decisions on the fly, perhaps based on what the Taliban tells them. Maybe we'll hear from the president at 4.30. This would be his third scheduled time. From noon to 2 to 4.30, they got to put the finishing touches on the remarks explaining how the Taliban is dictating U.S. policy in Afghanistan. But don't you dare call stranded people stranded. Because that's not fair. I'm honestly just processing this information in real time with you because it's all been breaking in the last few hours and last few minutes. We are watching this story very closely. We will get Liz Cheney's reaction coming up later this hour. Senator Haggerty later in the program. You do not want to miss it. I'm Guy Benson. This is The Guy Benson Show. We'll be right back. The Guy Benson Show. More next.
Pull up a chair and join me, Rachel Campos Duffy. And me, former U.S. Congressman Sean Duffy, as we share our perspective on the discussions happening at kitchen tables across America. Download from the kitchen table to Duffy's at foxnewspodcasts.com or wherever you download podcasts. From the Fox News Podcasts Network. I'm Ben Domenech, publisher of The Federalist, and I'm inviting you to join a new conversation with the smartest thinkers out there about the country and where we're going. Subscribe to the Ben Domenech Podcast. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. I'm Guy Benson. We're back here on The Guy Benson Show, and the fire hose of news continues here. The White House has put out a statement. So we're awaiting the press secretary who's supposed to brief. We're awaiting the president, who's three and a half hours late. He might speak now an hour from this moment at 4.30 or so Eastern. So they put out a statement saying that they are, in fact, planning to be out by August 31st, which is what the Taliban demanded earlier today. They had no wiggle room on the extension, even though there's a bipartisan call in Congress to extend the deadline and from our G7 allies to extend. Taliban said no. Biden said, okay, we're not going to extend. And they're saying that they are on pace to finish all of the evacuations by August 31st. Although that is being hotly disputed by a lot of people on the ground, and in fact disputed by Democrats in Congress on the Intelligence Committee, including Adam Schiff, who said we think it is highly unlikely that that will be able to be achieved in this period of time. There are a number of Democratic congressmen saying we might be able to get most Americans, a large majority of American citizens, out by then, but probably not all of them. So the president in this statement, or the White House on behalf of the president, saying that this deadline, quote, I'm quoting here, depends on continued coordination with the Taliban. They are leaning heavily on the Taliban. Biden said, oh, they're not going to take over the country. country's not going to fall. Taliban's not going to take everything over. That was last month. Now the White House is putting out a statement that says, getting all of our people out by the deadline that the Taliban demands, quote, depends on continued coordination with the Taliban. Members of whom have been beating American citizens and murdering Afghans, including visa holders, in the streets. The White House says that there will be contingency plans to adjust the timeline should that become necessary. So a little bit out of the gates and ready to go. Hey, it's Hutton with Row. Hot Mike is here on the Outkick Network. We've got your afternoon covered with the latest sports discussion, and it's available wherever you find your audio. Daily analysis and news. He is hot. I am Mike. Actually, my <laughs> name is Chad. His name is Jonathan, but you get the picture. We're going to bring it every single day. Whatever you want to call us, we'll respond to. We just want you to respond to what we're dishing out every day. And while you're here, we hope you'll subscribe to the podcast, like, subscribe, and share. Of hedging there. They've got contingency plans. Remember, we've heard that claim before, haven't we? It's astonishing. It's astonishing. Congresswoman Liz Cheney, Republican, Wyoming, joins me after this. From the Fox News Podcasts Network, download and listen to The One with Craig Gutfeld, the co-host of The Five, like you've never heard him before. You know him, you love him, you want to be like him. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. Talking about the issues you care about, Guy Benson. Back on The Guy Benson Show, there is just news breaking out all over the place out of Afghanistan. 
And let's bring in our first guest on the show today. It is Congresswoman Liz Cheney, Republican of Wyoming. Congresswoman, good to have you. Hi, guys. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. I just want to read to you a few things that are coming across the wire now in the last few minutes and get your reaction. And I just want to start by saying this. I do not want to sound hysterical. I do not want to overstate things. I don't want to get breathless. But it is starting to seem like there might be a very, very bad situation starting to play out. I mean, worse than what we've seen so far on the ground in Kabul. Richard Engel from NBC News tweeted 10 minutes ago, the U.S. Embassy issued its last alert for U.S. citizens to leave Afghanistan or they're on their own. Then they recalled that message half an hour later, which is just chaotic. We now have this from Politico. The Taliban, according to three sources on the ground, the Taliban has now started halting all people trying to get through the airport gates, not just Afghans, but also American citizens. Informal groups are coordinating and they need to redirect people on the fly because the Taliban, according to Politico and their sources on the ground, the Taliban has started blocking everyone from getting to the airport, including U.S. citizens. And the president has had his statement now pushed back for hours, Congresswoman. You start to look at all of these things being reported, and I I don't know, I just have a feeling that perhaps a bad situation is deteriorating very rapidly, and it is frightening. Your reaction? Well, um, you know, I wish that I could tell you that that that's not the case, Guy, but I share your concern. Um, you know, what we are watching happen uh, is 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 a catastrophe, and it has been certainly for the last, you know, number of days here. Um, but, you know, we are in a position where the Taliban are not hearing the right message from us. The message that they ought to be hearing from us right now is we will get every American out, and if you prevent us from doing that, you'll you'll suffer serious and severe consequences. We never should have been in the situation we're in. We never should be in a position where we're trying to get people out only through uh, the airport in Kabul. Um, you know, there are a whole range of, of um, you know, missteps and bad decisions here uh, that, that, you know, go back to 2020. Um, but, but President Biden's uh, decision against the advice of his military leaders um, to completely withdraw by a date certain to launch these, you know, negotiations. And I think one of the things, frankly, people will be looking at for a long time to come is what concessions are we right now making to the Taliban? What have we promised them? Uh, are we paying them? Uh, what what are they demanding in terms of additional uh, releases, for example, of terrorists that we might be holding? Um, you know, we are in a situation that is a travesty and that's going to do huge damage, you know, certainly um, right now and in the long term to America's strength and standing in the world. Um, and But I'm very worried about the immediate, uh, you know, crisis that American citizens, uh, you know, could be facing on the ground in Kabul as we speak. The White House has put out a statement within the last few minutes because we've all been waiting for hours for the president to speak. So in the interim, they put out this statement. And Congresswoman, you just said, in your view, what the message to the Taliban ought to be, i.e. us calling the shots, us making demands. This is what the White House, I'm reading directly 
from their press release. Quote, completion of the mission by August 31st depends on the continued coordination with the Taliban, including continued access for evacuees to the airport. They're saying we can't do it with the Taliban. That's the White House in black and white put out minutes ago. Yeah, I mean, look, it, it is outrageous. It's outrageous that we have have ever, you know, believed that the Taliban was some kind of a partner for peace. Um, you know, the, the, the reports that we have on the ground now, for example, are that you've got this Badr 313 organization that is essentially the special forces connected to the Haqqani network. They're connected to al-Qaeda. They're operating freely uh, in Kabul. Um, the Taliban has never renounced al-Qaeda. In fact, the leader of the Taliban swears allegiance to the leader and has sworn allegiance to the leader of al-Qaeda. So, you know, we the, the idea that somehow the Taliban, um, you know, uh, are calling the shots um, is an exceedingly dangerous um, uh, circumstance that we have gotten into because this administration doesn't understand, apparently, the strategic importance of, um, you know, having American forces on the ground. Well, can, to I, help can I ask you, I just want to ask you this because, and I made the point at the top of the show, and as an American, of course, I'm a conservative and I did not vote for the president. I don't want to get hyperbolic and overstate things. Is it an overstatement? Because I'm just trying to use critical thinking and look at the strands of evidence that we have before us. It does not seem like a stretch to say that it at least appears as though the Taliban, in a, in a de facto way, is calling the shots and making decisions for the U.S. military. You just sort of repeated that. Do you think that is the case right now, that the Taliban in some ways is actually dictating U.S. policy? Yes. Yes, and, and that, that does appear to be the case. Um, and it also uh, is, you know, you are right to, to, be, to be stunned by that. You know, here we are just on the verge of the 20th anniversary of 9-11. Um, and, you know, the Taliban harbored al-Qaeda. And as I just walked through, still very much fighting uh, alongside, connected to al-Qaeda. They now control the country. Uh, and they are determining whether or not we can get our citizens to the airport and out. That That is, um, you know, a dereliction of duty, and I don't say that lightly. Uh, yeah, and, and, there's, and there's reporting, as I just mentioned, that they have stopped letting people in, including U.S. citizens. What we have now is a, a whole flurry of these reports where the White House and the administration is saying we are sticking to the August 31st deadline. It's what the Taliban insisted on hours ago then the president made the quote decision that he was going to do what the taliban said he said that we are on pace to meet the august 31st deadline in terms of getting everyone that we need to out of that country but in order to stay on pace we need the taliban's coordination and help and that there are contingency plans quote unquote in case we need to extend the deadline which has been rejected by the taliban based on what you are hearing congresswoman and i know that you are in frequent contact with a lot of people with intelligence sources people on the ground in afghanistan based on your best understanding of the situation are we on track to get everyone that we need to out of that country within the next week absolutely not absolutely not 
uh, and that's based on discussions with people who are talking to folks on the ground. That's based on briefings that we've had here, um, which, you know, I'm not going to talk about in detail, but that we are not on track and that the damage, the devastation to America's um, role as a superpower to America's ability to defend ourselves, to defend our allies, the damage is incalculable. If we have now gotten into a position where we are depending upon the Taliban, uh, which, you know, they are our enemy, depending upon them, radical Islamic terrorists, um, to secure, to, to, to provide for, um, you know, the safe travel and safe passage of U.S. citizens. And, and the fact that the president of the United States doesn't understand that. The fact that our senior military leaders um, aren't being absolutely direct and clear with him. The long-term damage to our interests, our security, to our armed forces, um, of any message other than we will get our people out. If you do not allow us to get our people out, you will face consequences like you cannot imagine. Uh, and, and they will be severe and they will be swift. That is the message that the Taliban ought to be receiving and anything else. Uh, is an abdication of, of American leadership and authority in the world. John McCormick, who's a reporter at National Review, he's been tweeting out a number of quotes because if people are listening and they just heard you, and my guess is Congresswoman Liz Cheney from Wyoming, saying it is absolutely not the case that we are on track to get everyone we need to out of the country by the 31st of August, even though the White House is insisting today we are on track and we are sticking to that deadline. And that announcement coming just hours after the Taliban said we will not tolerate there'll be consequences for any extension or attempted extension of that deadline. If you want to doubt Congresswoman Cheney, John McCormick is tweeting out quotes from Democratic lawmakers who have access to intelligence, including Adam Schiff, including Brad Sherman and others, saying we do not believe it is possible to get every American out. Not even the, the Afghans that we owe, we're talking just American citizens to get them all out by August 31st. Republicans and Democrats alike seem to have reached that conclusion based on what they're hearing and they're seeing from the intelligence and sources on the ground. But that seems to be now the the policy on which the president and his administration are doubling down, Congresswoman. And, and all the while, you have the press secretary at the White House scolding our colleague Peter Ducey at Fox News for describing any Americans as stranded. She said they're not stranded. It, it feels like we're sort of through the looking glass here. Well, we are. And, and you know, the other thing that, that we have been hearing um, is that the White House has specifically asked uh, the Pentagon not to request an extension. Um, now, I did, you know, have not heard that in briefings today, so I want to be careful about the sourcing of that, but um, have heard uh, enough to be concerned that this may be the case, that the White House does not want a request from the Pentagon for an extension, uh, and that they've sent the message to the Pentagon, do not ask for that extension. Um, now, you know, that, that, again, if we are in a situation where, um, you know, the greatest military in the world um, is unable to insist on the safety and security of American citizens and is instead um, living in this fantasy of thinking that we can rely on the Taliban and allowing the Taliban to call the shots. Um, the consequences to our security long term, uh, to America's uh, cause, America's fight for freedom, um, they're really 
very, very significant. And, and the White House needs to, in my view, immediately reverse course, immediately make clear we will get our people out uh, and, and make sure the Taliban understands that uh, and, and that our, our allies uh, and our adversaries understand that around the world. Another piece of news that has broken within the last hour or so, Lucas Tomlinson at Fox reported it, I'm seeing it from other networks as well, that there has been a further drawdown of U.S. troops, military personnel, active right now, underway, coming out of Kabul. And you just said there needs to be a credible threat of reprisals and military action if our people are not allowed to leave, if harm, additional harm, comes to U.S. citizens or U.S. visa holders. We know that some Americans have been beaten by the Taliban in the streets trying to get to the airport. We know that some Afghans with visas have been killed. Those are reports that we heard from the Washington Post earlier. If things really go sideways and we really want to have credibility with the Taliban saying, you need to do X, Y, and Z because we're going to impose our will, if the Biden administration is now telling the world we're actually pulling more of our troops out starting now. What message does that send? Well, it is, it's a complete um, lack of any strategic thinking, understanding, any um, commitment to maintaining America's um, supremacy in the world. And look, we maintain our supremacy so that we can defend ourselves, so that our adversaries don't make miscalculations about our security. And with this one action, uh, President Biden uh, has done more damage to uh, our ability to protect and defend ourselves um, than, than, you know, certainly any president um, of the modern era. Uh, this is worse than Saigon. Uh, we're in a situation where those who have attacked us in the past, who killed 3,000 Americans, um, who continue to threaten the United States, who, you know, one of the things that hasn't been reported is that some of the prisoners who've been released over the course of the last week or so are, in fact, members of external operations teams. These are the al-Qaeda uh, teams specifically targeted with attacking the United States. So th- this is um, uh, an absolute uh, catastrophe from the perspective of the security of the United States of our homeland, and from the perspective of, of our power and our prominence globally. Um, and, and it all is absolutely unnecessary. You know, if we had maintained 2,500 to 3,500 forces on the ground conducting counterinsurgency, counter, counterintelligence, counterterrorism operations, the Afghans were bearing the brunt of the fight, uh, and we were supporting them. And in, in a you know, matter of just a few weeks here, um, President Biden's decision has led us down a path of real danger and imperiled the nation in ways it's hard to describe. A CNN reporter, Congressman, tweeted a few minutes ago that the Pentagon spokesman, John Kirby, said that approximately 4,000 Americans have been evacuated out of Afghanistan, 4,000 American passport holders plus their families. Josh Krasauer of National Journal says, remember, the U.S. government's own estimate that 10 to 15,000 citizens, U.S. citizens, were in the country. That was last week. Do the math. There are thousands of Americans still stranded in Afghanistan. And the administration says we are on track. It's, it's breathtaking. We've got to leave it there for now. Congresswoman Liz Cheney, Republican of Wyoming, thank you very much for your time today. Thank you, Guy. I appreciate it. It's the Guy Benson Show. We'll be right back. 
Fresh Conservative Talk, Guy Benson Show. Living the Bream is a podcast hosted by Fox News Channel's Shannon Bream, sharing inspirational stories, personal anecdotes, and an insider's perspective on actions and rulings from the high court. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. America's listening to Fox News. I'm Guy Benson. We're back. Fox News alert here as we continue on the program. Jen Psaki at the White House is now briefing. She's taking questions now from Peter Ducey, our colleague. Let's listen in live. My answer, which I put out today, uh, was that uh, we are committed to bringing Americans home who want to leave. And that is the president's commitment. We are. So let me explain to you how our process works. And there have been some very good questions, including from you and from others, about this. Uh, one, as we've said, uh, this is a dynamic number. Uh, we're working hour by hour to refine and make it precise. Understand your desire and interest in having exact number of American citizens on the ground, and the State Department, I expect, will have an exact update on that tomorrow. Just to remind you, the U.S. government does not track our citizens when they travel around the world. We rely on self-reporting, not just in Afghanistan, anywhere in the world. People have to decide to register or not. It's up to them, uh, individuals, whether they decide to register or not, wherever they may be. Uh, And if you register uh, when you're in a country like Afghanistan, you aren't required to deregister. The State Department also issues alerts. They have publicized phone number and email to contact if you're in Afghanistan and want assistance to leave. And for months, the department has been telling Americans to leave Afghanistan for their own safety. It is our responsibility and our role to work with and help American citizens who want to leave. Let me finish. I'm almost done, and then you can ask a follow-up question. Uh, In recent days, uh, they have reached out to uh, every American citizen registered in Afghanistan directly multiple times. This is a 24-7 operation. Embassies all over the world are supporting phone banking, text banking, and email efforts. If we are not in touch with this individual, give me their contact information, and we will... All right, so she is reading off of talking points... And they're trying to explain what the process is here, but the process clearly is broken, especially given some of the new developments that we've learned about within the last hour. They also keep talking about Americans who wish to leave, which is a very strange formulation. Much more on all of this, plus a few other topics coming up. It's the Guy Benson Show. Don't go anywhere. From the Fox News Podcasts Network, download and listen to The Untold Story with Martha McCallum. The host of The Story on Fox News Channel sits down with major newsmakers each week to get their untold story. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. Live from the most powerful city in the world, unconventional talk from a fresh, unconventional conservative, Kai Benson Show. A new hour of the Guy Benson Show live from Washington, D.C. Thank you for listening. GuyBensonShow.com. That's our website. The podcast is always free. Fox News alert as we begin the middle hour. The Dow closes up 32 points to 35,367. We were going to chat with Helen Foray, who is the executive director of the Republican Party of Florida, about the attacks against the governor down there and a few other issues. But given all the fast-moving in Afghanistan, we are going to actually keep it on that subject. And on that front, let me bring you another Fox News alert. The press secretary, Jen Psaki, is still taking questions at the White House. We are expecting some comments from President Biden upcoming. He is expected to announce that we have begun already the drawdown of U.S. troops and detail parts of the withdrawal plan. 
And the Washington Post reports circumstances under which an extension might come in terms of the deadline is still being clarified. That might explain this long delay. The president was supposed to speak four hours ago. So let's go live to the White House where the press secretary is still fielding questions from reporters. Reminded us that uh, they can get a lot of people out uh, every day, each day. Well, that sounds uh, like Neil Cavuto's voice, uh, not Jen Psaki's voice. So I guess the news channel just cut away from this. But if we can get that on a rem, Justin, I do want to get back to Jen Psaki because they are peppering her with a number of questions. And in fairness to her, she is doing her best. Let's listen live. Plus their families. So it's actually a larger number than that. But yes, more than 4,000 passport holders or American citizens plus their families. In terms of their mechanism for departure, it's a very good question. I don't have that level of detail in front of me, but we can see if we can break that down more specifically. So you're asking about whether they came on military planes or charter planes? Yeah, earlier you had been kind of breaking those two. Sure. We did this military plus charter. Yes, uh, which we, we will continue to do, but, but I will see if there's a more of a concrete breakdown for you. And are you able to say at this point, if, if the indication is that this has to go beyond the deadline, is that something that would be telegraphed or indicated beforehand, or would that be a last-minute decision or announcement from, from the government? Well, again, I mean, I think, uh, as, as we stated in, our, uh, in the statement I put out earlier, uh, we are currently on pace to finish by August 31st, uh, but the president also uh, asked the Pentagon and the State Department for contingency plans. Uh, we'll let them brief him on those before we give a further assessment. Go ahead. I'll come back to you. Go ahead. Thanks, Jen. Uh, two questions on the vice president's uh, trip delay. Sure. Uh, the, the last minute delay of the flight suggests that her and her team found out about uh, this case of anomalous health incident last minute. Um, how last minute was it? When did the case occur? All right, so this is a question apparently about the vice president and her travels to Asia. I just want to address briefly here, and we'll come back to Saki in a moment, the math that she was just talking about. And we did some of that back-of-the-envelope math in the last hour when we were chatting with Congresswoman Liz Cheney. Saki just said, speaking on behalf of the president of the White House, that the United States is, quote, on track to get all of our people out by the August 31st deadline, which is a deadline that a lot of Republicans and Democrats have been asking the White House to try to extend. Our allies have as well. But the news broke earlier that the Taliban had rejected that and said that there would be consequences and it would provoke action, basically a threat, if we did not get out by that deadline. And then Biden came out and said, no, we are sticking to the deadline. Now, there are contingencies, they say, at play in case the extension needs to occur, but she asserted that they are on track right now. And if you listen to our previous hour, we had Congresswoman Cheney tell us, and I asked her point blank, based on all of the intelligence that she's aware of and reports on the ground as a plugged-in member of Congress, does she believe that we are on track to get all of our people out? by August the 31st. And her answer was, quote, absolutely not. The White House is telling us they are on track. Members of Congress in both parties are saying no. That's not what they are seeing. That's not what they are hearing. That is not what they understand, including the chairman, the Democratic chairman of the House Intelligence Committee, Adam Schiff. 
And you might say, well, Republicans never believe Adam Schiff about anything. If he is disrupting aggressively two White House talking points and narratives, one about this deadline and one about the intelligence leading up to this collapse, he has punctured both of those, according to reports. That makes you sit up and listen. Because he's not saying something about the Trump administration. He's talking about the Biden administration. Now, the number that the administration has now put out, we heard it from John Kirby earlier, and we just heard it moments ago live from Jen Psaki, is that 4,000 Americans, American passport holders, have been evacuated from Afghanistan. And I will say, anyone who is involved in that effort right now should be commended. They are doing everything that they can under extremely stressful circumstances and chaotic circumstances. And the fact that they're evacuating tens of thousands of people and thousands of Americans is good news. It's certainly better than the alternative, which is not getting those people out. And we've asked our men and women to go there and get it done, and they are doing it to the extent that they can. But with Politico reporting that access has been closed to the airport by the Taliban, including for Americans, that is very much an X factor and a very concerning indication that perhaps the situation situation on the ground is taking a very problematic and worrisome turn. But even if you, let's say, for the sake of argument, assume that the Taliban continues to cooperate because they want us out of there by the 31st, although they're blocking Afghans, that's a whole other very serious problem at play. But let's say they're going to keep overall coordinating and the chaos is overblown and we're going to continue to get lots of people out. If the number of Americans the White House says have been evacuated is 4,000, we had an approximate range from the Biden administration last week that there are 10 to 15,000, or at least last week, there were 10 to 15,000 Americans in Afghanistan. If they've gotten 4,000 of them out, that's just basic math. That would suggest, based on their own numbers that they're giving us, that between six and 11,000 Americans, to say nothing of the Afghan visa holders who have helped us, who we've pledged our honor to protect, Six to 11,000 Americans remaining in Afghanistan, some in more far-flung regions of the country outside of the capital. When Democrats on the Intelligence Committee spoke to reporters, they said straight up they don't believe all of those Americans can get out by August the 31st. That's a lot of people. And I would imagine it crosses into tens of thousands when you include the Afghans that we're talking about here. With a few different Democrats, again, Democrats in Congress saying, I mean, Sheila Jackson Lee from Texas, who is hardly a hawk, she is a hardcore partisan, she put out a statement urging the administration to extend the deadline. Everyone seems to want the deadline extended. Both houses of Congress, both parties are allies across the world. The Taliban doesn't want it, though, and so the word out of the White House is we're not extending it. With conservative Republicans and liberal Democrats alike 
looking at intelligence, hearing reports on the ground, and saying we can't get it done by then. There were a few quotes from Democrats saying, we think we could maybe get the majority or even the vast majority of Americans out by August 31st. What about those who can't? Do we leave them behind? Do we leave American citizens who want out, do we leave them behind in Afghanistan based on this deadline that the president is sticking to at the behest, at the demand of the Taliban? That is an open question. They are keeping the door ajar at the White House for contingency plans under which the evacuations would continue or the deadline would be extended. But right now they're saying we are on track, even as others say, no, we are not. And based on the many things that the administration and the president himself have said in the last week or so that are completely divorced from the reality on the ground, I have to tell you, I am not inclined to believe the president or the White House when they say that we're on track to get everyone out, especially with so much forceful pushback from sources on the ground and members of Congress in both parties. And so if it comes to a point where we have to extend or a decision is made, oh my gosh, there's still thousands of Americans or we can't leave these people behind, then what happens? What happens next? Because the White House has confirmed we are pulling military assets out right now. We are currently pulling military assets out of Afghanistan. Which diminishes, which diminishes I, sh- I should say, it erodes the weight of our words when we, if we, have to issue threats. Because it seems like we've sort of given up on that for now. But if things get extremely dicey and our people are in peril or getting killed, and the president decides that we need to extend the deadline and the Taliban and their al-Qaeda enemies, they're working hand in glove, they decide that they're going to start attacking more Americans. What do we do? We have fewer personnel on the ground, and we are pulling more of them out as of today. That is confirmed. That is confirmed by the White House. Jen Psaki, in this briefing, said that this is the largest airlift in U.S. history, And she wouldn't call that, quote, anything but a success. Right? This is the problem. I mean, the policy is the problem. Let's be perfectly clear. The problem is when you have the White House, from the president on down, making one statement and assertion after another, that is obviously ridiculous. When you have... The press secretary yesterday saying there are no Americans stranded in Afghanistan. When she says today, look at this amazing airlift that we're doing, you can't call this anything but a success. Excuse me? When the definition of success is being thrown around by the vice president, talking about the way we abandoned our our embassy in Kabul days ago, which was, as I mentioned in the first hour, just a few weeks after the Secretary of State said that we were going to maintain a robust diplomatic presence at that operational and active embassy. 
their plan was, we are going to have a real footprint. The president said, again, a few weeks ago, it was, quote, highly unlikely that the Taliban would take over the country. And now here we are, the vice president saying, well, do you see how we took our flag down and got all of our people to the airport and out of our embassy, which is now abandoned? That was a successful drawdown. They want us to look at these things and they want us to associate the word success with them. I'm, I am really having trouble getting my, my head around that and grasping what on earth they're trying to accomplish with that. What we need is very serious, very sober, cold-blooded, clear-eyed leadership right now, which involves an acknowledgement of what's actually happening. You can say it is a testament to our personnel and our people that we've gotten tens of thousands of people out over the course of days, including 4,000 Americans. We can celebrate those people working very hard around the clock under extreme duress. That is one segment of this broader story. They're focusing on it repeatedly, obviously, because they're trying to talk about success. You don't have to ignore or downplay or disregard a sliver of success and not express great gratitude for the people who are carrying it out. In order to do that, you don't have to avert your eyes from or bury your head in the sand in regard to the other what 80-90% of what's happening right now, which is dire. I frankly couldn't believe that they were talking about the word stranded yesterday, indignantly objecting to it. I cannot believe that success is their buzzword of today. Especially in light of the developments that we have been reporting as they come to us over the course of this program. President Biden is supposed to speak nine minutes from now. He was supposed to speak at noon, then two. Now it's going to be 4.30, they say. We will keep an eye on it and bring that to you if and when he comes out. It is the Guy Benson Show. Stay tuned. Guy Benson will be right back. Jason in the House, the Jason Chaffetz Podcast. Dive deeper than the headlines and the party lines as I take on American life, politics, and entertainment. Subscribe now on foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you download podcasts. I'm Guy Benson. We are back. Just getting you a few more snippets from the press briefing at the White House as we await President Biden, who is supposed to speak in three minutes, having delayed several times, hours at a time on each occasion today. Jen Psaki said that there could be some Americans still left in Afghanistan after the evacuation deadline of August 31st. She confirmed, quote, yes, American civilian evacuations will halt before August 31st in order to make sure that the troops are out by that date. Quote, there would need to be time to wind down the presence, was her quote. So if you think about that, if all U.S. troops are out of Afghanistan August 31st, you would have to, by definition, end the civilian evacuations at some point before that. So the last few troops would be getting on their planes and flying out of there, and anyone left over 
after the troops are gone, they are completely SOL at that point. Which means, based on the Taliban's demands, apparently still agreed to by President Biden, the clock is ticking. With less than a week remaining for civilian evacuations. With thousands of Americans still in the country and tens of thousands of people that we have promised to protect still in the country. With apparently a bipartisan consensus that we can't get everyone out, but the White House is sticking to it. And the timeline, says Saki, is Trump's fault because of the negotiation that they had with the Taliban. I think that there is, as I've said, room to criticize the Trump administration on this. But that deadline became the Biden deadline as soon as he agreed to abide by it and refused to exert his leadership to change things. He's changed so many other things and reversed so many other things that President Trump did. But on this thing, oh, he has no choice. He's handcuffed by Donald Trump. It's nonsense. It's the Taliban deadline, and Joe Biden is playing along their timeline because I guess he feels like he has no other plan and no other choice. We'll hear from him soon. It's the Guy Benson Show. New from the Fox News Podcasts Network. My name is Kennedy, and welcome to my podcast, which will, I humbly say, single-handedly save the world. You're welcome. It's Kennedy Saves the World. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. GuyBensonShow.com Back on the Guy Benson Show, we are awaiting President Biden. He was supposed to speak at noon, then 2 o'clock, then 4.30. He's running late again on Afghanistan. Meanwhile, quickly, a Fox News alert. On Capitol Hill, the Democrats are focused on spending trillions of dollars. Borrowing a lot of it. They have approved in the House of Representatives on a Perfectly party line vote. Every single Democrat voted in favor. The rule, quote unquote, and the framework, this is per Chad Pergram, for the $3.5 trillion spending package and the bipartisan infrastructure package. Now, they have not passed both of those things. This is a procedural vote. But Pelosi was worried about losing some votes. They couldn't bring it to the floor last night. And then... I guess they worked out some scenario where they got everyone on board to advance things procedurally one more step towards getting to these bills. But there are moderates in the caucus still saying that they are insisting that the infrastructure bill come first before they even consider the reconciliation $3.5 trillion gig. And the progressives are saying they will not vote for the bipartisan bill unless reconciliation has already happened. So Pelosi and her leadership team, they keep clearing hurdles procedurally. The underlying tension remains. And I think that those battles are going to continue and the skirmishes are going to continue now in the weeks ahead. Pelosi called this a great day for the country and Democrats. Because in her mind, hey, they're about to get closer to spending an unbelievable amount of money that we don't have on left-wing priorities. And the fact that there are thousands of Americans stranded in Afghanistan with our national prestige and honor circling the toilet is sort of an afterthought. It's a great day for the country and Democrats in Pelosi's world because this is her priority, obviously. Now, as we continue to monitor the White House and see when the president's going to come out, 
Earlier today, we had an opportunity to catch up with U.S. Senator Bill Haggerty, a Republican from Tennessee. He was elected last year. He was also U.S. Ambassador to Japan under the previous administration. We talked primarily about Afghanistan, a little bit also about the spending packages that we just addressed. Here's my discussion with U.S. Senator Bill Haggerty. Senator, it's good to have you here. It's good to be with you guys. Thank you. I want to start actually with your experience as an ambassador, because we are hearing still from President Biden and his team that there has been no disruption whatsoever to U.S. credibility among our allies over Afghanistan. We know that's not true because of what our allies are saying out loud in houses of parliament, in the U.K., for example, in quotes to newspapers in continental Europe. But the president and his team, they're just sort of closing their eyes to that and insisting the U.S. prestige, our credibility, our trustworthiness, totally unscathed, never better. You were a diplomat. You've run in these circles. What is your assessment of those assertions from the White House? Guy, this is an embarrassment to America's reputation of epic proportions. This may take a full generation to 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 get over. Uh, our allies have reached out to me from Europe, from Asia. Uh, they are extremely concerned whether NATO is going to survive this. Uh, this Afghan movement was the first time that we called an Article Five of NATO, NATO to to bring our allies together to deal with Afghanistan. Yet. Biden, on a unilateral basis, made these decisions, set an arbitrary timeline, and put not only Americans, but all of our allies who were on the ground there at at deep, deep risk. When you say that allies are reaching out to you, you're hearing from foreign officials dialing you up because they know you from your time in the Trump administration as an ambassador, trying to get a read on the president. Just maybe give us a little bit more on those conversations that you're having. I think that's really interesting. I think they are very concerned about our resolve, about how much domestic politics are playing into this. And uh, I think there's just disbelief that America would step away from its role as the beacon of liberty and freedom in the world. And I'm assuring them that, that on the long haul, America is, America is going to remain the beacon of liberty and freedom in this world, that we are going to do everything we can to make certain that the last American is, is safely retrieved and that we also are, are there to help our allies. Uh, it's very challenging, though, when the Biden administration continues to focus on press releases, uh, their desire to, to run a victory lap after the uh, 20th anniversary of 9-11, and their obvious desire to just get this out of the media right now and, and shut things down. The last thing you would do is create an arbitrary deadline when you cannot control the situation on the ground. Yet we've seen time and time again that they do not have control of the situation on the ground. You've seen situations where receiving countries don't have the capacity to take more flights. What happens? You shut down air travel. You've seen situations where we've had threats of ISIS around the perimeter of the airport. What happens? You shut down air travel. Again, this is a challenging situation on the ground. And to impose an arbitrary deadline is, I think, absolutely the wrong posture to take. What they need to say in no uncertain terms is that we will be there to get the very last American out of there. We will be there to get our allies and fulfill our obligations. Taliban, you need to understand that. Stand down. Except the timeline that you keep calling arbitrary, of course it is in the most important respect, i.e. the real respect, but it feels like the Biden White House is not only doubling down on the timeline, they're doing so, again, it would seem because the Taliban has drawn that now as their red line. And 
I hesitate to say it this way, but especially given the events of today and the reports out there, it feels as if the president is making his determinations and his decisions based on the pronouncements of the Taliban, at least for now. And that is highly disturbing to me. I I am every bit as disturbed as you are, Guy, that we're relying on the good graces and the diplomacy of a terrorist organization like the Taliban. Uh, But that indeed is what I'm hearing as well. And it's deeply, deeply concerning, not only to the two of us, but I think to all Americans. I want to ask you about an exchange that happened yesterday at the White House between my colleague Peter Ducey here at Fox and the press secretary who chastised Peter for using the word stranded to describe many Americans in Afghanistan right now. She said that's not accurate. I made the point that Peter didn't call them abandoned. I think it's maybe premature to say that we're abandoning, in any permanent sense, Americans on the ground in Afghanistan, but to deny, as they did from the White House podium, that there are Americans stranded in Afghanistan right now, to me is yet another example of the rhetoric out of this administration having no connection to real happening on the ground. What are you hearing in your office? Because we've spoken to lawmakers now in the Senate and in the House over the course of the last week, two weeks, saying that they've been inundated with people begging for help because they're really having trouble with the State Department. There's no clear plan. There's no sort of locus for information. Have you been hearing those same things? What has your office been engaged in on this front? Guy, at the time that uh, Jen Psaki made that claim that no American is stranded in Afghanistan, uh, I came right back at her at, at that very time. Our office is dealing with a Tennessean stranded in Afghanistan. Uh, we tweeted right back out to her that that was a bold-faced lie. Again, they're trying to spin. They're trying to equivocate. They're trying to do everything they can to pass the buck in a different direction. What they need to do is step up, own it, embrace the problem, and fix it. The new spin seems to be from the administration and some of their most fervent defenders and supporters is actually this is turning into a great success because the airlift is pulling thousands of people out of Afghanistan every day. It's a huge undertaking logistically. And look, I don't dispute that it is good news that we're getting more people out of that country, including Americans and U.S. allies. It's good news that we are scrambling and using all of these resources to do it as best we can. I am really struggling with the idea that this is actually, we have it all wrong, this is actually very impressive on the United States part, that we are partially, in a panicked way, mitigating a crisis that was caused directly by presidential decisions and lack of planning, right? Is, is, am I missing something here? Guy, I'm, I'm exactly with you. I, w- I want this operation to succeed. I'm going to do everything as United States Senator to help make sure it succeeds. Again, our overarching objective has got to be to get Americans out of harm's way, our allies out of harm's way. We're stepping up. We're doing that. We have the most powerful, the most credible military in the world. We're now deploying them. Uh, This is what I would expect. But I'll go back to what we started with. As a former United States ambassador, uh, I was ambassador to the country of Japan. It's the third largest economy in the world. In any given day, Guy, I would have had a quarter of a million Americans on the ground there. As the chief of mission, they were under my responsibility in the event of a disaster. I had to have plans in place to be able to process them, to be able to move them 
and to be able to flow them out of harm's way. When I got there, 2017, things had changed dramatically. North Korea was launching intercontinental ballistic missiles over our head. I completely reworked the plan, working very closely with our military, with the State Department, and with other agencies. There is an obligation to have an extensive amount of planning in place. And I cannot, for the life of me, without giving away any classified information from my own plan, I can't, for the life of me, think of any logical pattern that would have had our military exit before our Americans. This is a debacle right now. And it's, it's, it's obvious that there was no focus on a plan, no focus on a credible, credible plan to protect American interests. The focus was on a press release to celebrate a fact that the Biden administration wanted to be the first to declare victory on removing American soldiers from Afghan soil. They wanted to do that on the 20th anniversary of 9-11. That press release and that, that, that naive aim has created a disaster of epic proportions. Senator, I do want to ask you about some domestic politics before we go. They are wheeling and dealing in the House of Representatives. They've had different factions in Nancy Pelosi's caucus where they're trying to figure out a way to move forward on the bipartisan infrastructure bill that passed the Senate overwhelmingly. And then this reconciliation budget resolution, $3.5 trillion or whatever the true number is going to end up being. And they're having a heck of a time with it. It looks like they might be making some progress, but the fate of both bills, especially the huge one, the Democrat-only filibuster-proof maneuver that they're going to try to move forward with, that fate is, I would say, especially up in the air right now. There are some members in the U.S. Senate who are Democrats saying they are not willing to support any number close to $3.5 trillion. It seems like the Democrats perhaps are in a bit of a box right now. They've got a numbers problem, which isn't surprising because both houses are so incredibly closely divided. Having watched this debate move forward so far with some of the votes out of the Senate and the drama in the House, do you have a read on where you think this is going realistically? Well, it's clear that the Democrats are going to try to continue to force this through. Their focus really needs to be on getting Americans out of Afghanistan and securing our border, that is our southern border. Uh, But what they're really trying to do is quietly move this Bernie Sanders socialist package into the position so that they can shove it through on a completely partisan basis and make it a law. We've got to defend against that at every, every point. I think we need to make certain when we get back that the American public helps all congressmen and, and senators focus on the top priorities right now, which are dealing with this international disaster in Afghanistan before we take any further steps to put this incompetent crew in a position to further control and dominate our lives by adding more federal government to every aspect of it. And as I mentioned at the top, he previously served as U.S. ambassador to Japan during part of the Trump administration. And that's why his insights, I think, are so important and relevant on the broader issues of America's reputation around the world our prestige. Senator, thank you so much for joining us. We appreciate you making some time. Thank you, Guy. It was wonderful to be on with you. Thanks. Bill Haggerty, Republican senator from Tennessee here on The Guy Benson Show. We caught up with him earlier in the day. We are awaiting President Biden still. Now nearly five hours delayed on Afghanistan. I think they're trying to figure out what their policy is. And there's a report from Brett Baer that he shared with viewers on the news channel not long ago that you need to hear. We will play that for you as soon as we come back. It's The Guy Benson Show. The Guy Benson Show. More next. 
Get this and all your favorite Fox News podcasts ad-free on Apple Podcasts with Fox News Podcasts Plus. Just go to foxnewspodcasts.com for all the details. Back on the Guy Benson Show, still nothing from President Biden. The noon speech became the two speech, became the 4.30 speech, quickly becoming at least the 5 o'clock speech, and we will stand by. In the meantime, Brett Baer, who is the host of Special Report and chief political anchor at Fox News, he took to the airwaves on the news channel within the last, I believe, last hour or two, and he read a direct report from someone on the ground who is an impeccable source, says Brett, to describe what's happening. I want you to hear it. Listen to Cut 29. FYI, from my evacuation team leader one hour ago, we have people on the ground at the airport waiting for a new update any minute. We have a team on the ground running evac, evac evacuation operations, so this intel is as real as it gets. This might help you understand what's happening. Basically, the U.S. is refusing to take any more Afghan locals and has a U.S. citizen-only policy in play. They have stated that once August 31st hits, they will help nobody else, U.S., or Afghan, these are the Taliban checkpoints. We're hearing that a deal has been done with the Taliban and that the U.S. is expediting the withdrawal and wants to be out in 72 hours. Anybody left is on their own. President Biden disregarding all sound military advice. It's expected that he will continue to push ahead and ignore the military either today or tomorrow. According to the source on the ground, they believe the airport gates will be sealed. They've already destroyed the only road out, the AH-65, destroyed the tunnel, effectively, effectively cutting off that route out. The U.K. pulled out already due to a KIA killed in action. In short, the county and any U.S. citizen, the country and any U.S. citizen in the country have been sold out. Uh, Taliban have total control of the city now and are telling women and children to stay in the house. Anybody else is fair game, including all military personnel. Um, the person on the ground is a former, former Navy pilot uh, running the point operation. Well, that is chilling. And it aligns with some of the other reports that we brought to you at the very start of the show. We are just trying to digest and synthesize this information as it comes to us from sources on the ground, and obviously chaos is a huge part of this. But if that source that Brett Baer was just reading from on the ground who is you know, running the evacuation, if that source is accurate, the deadline for getting civilian Americans and Afghans out of Kabul from the only airport, the only airstrip that's viable anymore because of unbelievably stupid planning from the Biden administration, the deadline is not actually next Tuesday. The deadline is 72 hours, three days. Because after that point, they would have to shift from the civilian evacuation mission, which is currently underway, to getting the last of the U.S. troops out and get our people our military people off the ground and out by that deadline. It is a military deadline, August 31st. At some point, the military has to pivot from getting other people to safety to getting themselves to safety, and they will be ordered to do so. And Brett's source says that's going to happen in three days, which means that that clock that we talked about ticking is ticking even faster, and it has to be absolutely terrifying for Americans and loyal Afghans to us on the ground in Afghanistan. 
of which there are thousands remaining, stranded right now. We are waiting on the president. We'll bring him to you when he decides to show up, if he does, on The Guy Benson Show. Stay tuned. It's the Hammer Time Podcast. Fox News Channel's Bill Hammer takes you one-on-one with engaging personalities covering the critical issues of the day. Find Hammer Time now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. America is listening to Fox News. It's 5 o'clock in the most powerful city in the world, Washington, D.C. It's time for the Guy Benson Show Happy Hour, sponsored by the Finnish Long Drink. Finland's most popular alcoholic beverage has come to America. Visit thelongdrink.com. And now, here's your host, Guy Benson. Final hour on The Guy Benson Show, where our podcast is free every day. Our online home is GuyBensonShow.com. The hour is sponsored by the Finnish Long Drink at TheLongDrink.com. Drink responsibly, 21 plus only, please. Fox News alert. President Biden has finally arrived at the podium at the White House. He is speaking. He has opened on the economy and Democrat spending and his Build Back Better agenda. I'm not kidding. That's what he is open with. Let's take him live now at the White House. To bring people together so we can make a difference in people's lives. I also want to thank every Democrat in the House who worked so hard over the past few weeks to reach an agreement and who supported the process for House consideration of the Jobs and Infrastructure Plan, the Build Back Better effort. There were differences, strong points of view. They're always welcome. What is important is that we came together to advance our agenda. I think everyone who did that, I, I think everyone, everyone who did it was there. Look, I also want to thank everyone who voted to support the John Lewis Voting Rights Act. You know, advancing, uh, it's an act to restore and expand voting protections, to prevent voter suppression, and to secure the most sacred of American rights, the right to vote freely, the right to vote fairly, and the right to have your vote counted. The House has acted. The Senate also has to join them to send this uh, important bill to my desk. And the Senate has to move forward on the People's Act, critical legislation to protect our democracy and the right to vote. We need both of those those election bills. But let me now turn to Afghanistan. I've met this morning with my counterparts in the G7, as well as heads of the United Nations, NATO, and the European Union. I express my thanks for the solidarity we have seen as we've stood up an unprecedented global effort. I updated our partners on the significant progress we've made in the past 10 days. As of this afternoon, we've helped evacuate 70,700 people just since August the 14th, 75,900 people since the end of July. Just in the past 12 hours, Another 19 U.S. military flights, 18 C-17s and one C-130, carrying approximately 6,400 evacuees, and 31 coalition flights carrying 5,600 people have left Kabul just in the last 12 hours. A total of 50 more flights, 12,000 more people since I updated you this morning. These numbers are a testament to the efforts of our brave service women and men, to our diplomats on the ground in Kabul, and to our allies still standing with us. And we had a productive discussion. There was strong agreement among the leaders about 
both about evacu the evacuation mission underway, as well as the need to coordinate our approach to the Afghan to Afghanistan as we move forward. First, on evacuation, we agreed that we will continue to close our close cooperation to get people out as efficiently and safely as possible. We are currently on a pace to finish by August the 31st. The sooner we can finish, the better. Each day of operations brings added risk to our troops. But the completion by August 31st depends upon the Taliban continuing to cooperate and allow access to the airport for those who were, trans were transporting out and no disruptions to our operations. In addition, I've asked the Pentagon and the State Department for contingency plans to adjust the timetable should that become necessary. I'm determined to ensure that we complete our mission, this mission. I'm also mindful of the increasing risks that I've been, I've been uh, briefed on and the need to factor those, re those risks in. They're real and significant challenges that we also have to take into consideration. The longer we stay, starting with the acute and growing risk of an attack by a terrorist group known as ISIS-K, an ISIS affiliate in Afghanistan, which is the sworn enemy of the Taliban as well. Every day we're on the ground is another day we know that ISIS-K is seeking to target the airport and attack both U.S. and allied forces and innocent civilians. Additionally, thus far, the Taliban have been taking uh, steps to work with us so we can get our people out. But it's a tenuous situation. We already had some uh, gunfighting break out. We run a serious risk of it breaking down as time goes on. Second, the G7 leaders and the leaders of the EU, NATO, and the UN all agreed that we will stand united in our approach to the Taliban. We agreed the legitimacy of any future government depends on the approach it now takes to uphold international obligations, including to prevent Afghanistan from being used as a base for terrorism. And we agree that none of us are going to take the Taliban's word for it. We'll judge them by their actions and we'll stay in close coordination on any steps that we take moving forward in response to the Taliban's behavior. At the same time, we renewed our humanitarian commitment to the Afghan people and supported a proposal by the Secretary General Guterres of the United Nations-led international response with unfettered humanitarian access in Afghanistan. Third, we talked about our mutual obligation to support refugees and evacuees currently fleeing Afghanistan. The United States will be a leader in these efforts, and we'll look to the international community and to our partners to do the same. We're already seeing our allies' commitment. They're bringing, their, they're bringing to their countries the Afghans who served alongside their forces as translators or in their embassies just as we're bringing to the United States those Afghans who worked alongside our forces and diplomats. We're continuing that effort. We're conducting thorough security screening in the intermediate stops they're making for anyone who is not a U.S. citizen or a lawful permanent resident of the United States. Anyone arriving in the United States will have undergone a background check. And, and we must all work together to resettle thousands of Afghans who ultimately qualify for refugee status. The United States will do our part 
And we are already working closely with refugee organizations to rebuild a system that was purposely destroyed by my predecessor. Finally, we agreed to stay vigilant against terrorist threats that have metastasized around the world. We went to Afghanistan with our allies in 2001 for clear reasons. One, to get the people who attacked us on 9-11 and to get Osama bin Laden. And to make sure that Afghanistan was not used again as a base from which to attack the United States or our allies. We achieved that objective. We delivered justice to bin Laden more than a decade ago. But the current environment looks very different than it did in 2001. And we have to meet the challenges we face today. We run effective counterterrorism operations around the world, where we know terrorism is more of a threat than it is today in Afghanistan, without any permanent military presence on the ground. And we can and will do the same thing in Afghanistan with our over-the-horizon counterterrorism capability. Cooperation with our closest partners on our enduring counterterrorism mission will continue to be an essential piece of our strategy. In short, we all, all of us agreed today that we're going to stand shoulder to shoulder with our closest partners to meet the current challenges we face in Afghanistan, just as we have for the past 20 years. We're acting in consultation and cooperation with our closest friends and fellow democracies. And I want to again thank all of our allies and partners around the world who have rallied in support of our shared mission. We ended the conversation today by a clear statement on all of our parts. We are going to stay united, locked at the hip in terms of what we have to do. We'll get that done. And tomorrow, uh, I've asked uh, um, Secretary Blinken to give you an update and a detailed report on exactly how many Americans are still in Afghanistan, how many have got out, and what our projection is. So thank you again, and God bless you, and may God protect our diplomats and all those in harm's way. Thank you. Can you guarantee every American will be out before the troops leave? Can you guarantee? Did sanctions come up at all in the G7 meetings? He just walked out of the room. So there you have it. We waited five hours for that. I would argue that that was profound gaslighting. It's just one big happy family of Western democracies. We're all working together. We're on track. We're doing our thing. We're dependent on the Taliban in terms of the timing. They have to think about what the global community thinks of them and their legitimacy. We're going to focus on humanitarianism. That was, of course, after he opened with Democratic spending bills in the economy. And we'll get back to you on the number of Americans still left. Thank you very much. And out he walked. No questions for the president. I should stop being surprised. Honestly, I should stop being surprised by this crew and this man. But I'm surprised. I'm going to gather some more of my thoughts and come back with more on The Guy Benson Show right after this. Stay tuned. A fresh take on the biggest stories of the day. It's Guy Benson. 
Fox Nation presents podcasts, Women of the Bible Speak. I'm Shannon Bream, host of Fox News at Night and author of the new book, Women of the Bible Speak, the wisdom of 16 women and their lessons for today. Subscribe now on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, foxnewspodcast.com, or wherever you download your podcasts. Guy Benson, we're back here on the Guy Benson Show. We just heard from President Biden. And it might sound petty and superficial and not terribly important to keep harping on how delayed he was, but that was a five-hour delayed speech, and we learned virtually nothing at all from it. He opened with the economy, Democrats spending, trying to spend trillions of dollars, then shifted to Afghanistan, and it was platitudes. I mean, he looks and sounds lost. A lot of words that were empty and meant nothing. He said that we are on track to get all of our people out and meet the deadline of August 31st, even though there are contingency plans in place, he says, just in case they're not. We have apparently bipartisan agreement on Capitol Hill, people in the military, intelligence people saying it is not true that we are on track. There's an NBC News story out this afternoon Headline, fury and disgust at CIA and Pentagon and in Congress that thousands of Afghans will be left behind. We're talking about the ones who explicitly helped us, that we are running out of time, and that by Friday, the military is going to shift from rescue to getting themselves out. So that 72 hours, that three-day report from Brett Bayer, sounds like that is accurate. The desperation is going to set in. There are thousands of Americans still there. There are even more thousands of Afghans that we promised to help who are still there. And now America is starting to basically admit that some of them are going to be left behind. Biden promised just a few days ago that we were going to get all of the Americans out and all of the Afghans who helped us out. That was his promise, and it seems like that promise is going away because the timeline is being dictated and dominated by the Taliban. President talked about our alliances and how, oh, yes, the G7, we all agreed on this. We all agreed on that. Humanitarianism is going to be important. We're going to take the lead. We're going to judge the Taliban by its actions. We've seen their actions. They're putting Al-Qaeda in charge of security in Kabul. They are squeezing off access to the airport. And they're already murdering people. They've murdered lots of people already for collaboration. And the clock, as I keep saying, is ticking, not to next Tuesday, but realistically to this Friday. Unless something changes and Biden's message was, we don't need to change, we're on track here. There are obvious glaring questions to be asked. He took none of them. Again. And just to give you an example of how quickly the goalposts are shifting and how much gaslighting is happening from the administration right now, you had Jen Psaki earlier from the White House podium say that the only way to look at what's happening there right now is to call it a success because of this airlift. The airlift, the frantic, desperate airlift that they created with their failed policy and total lack of planning. You must call it a success, but you must not call stranded people in Afghanistan stranded. 
So let's just back-to-back listen to what she said yesterday as she wagged her finger at Peter Ducey in cut 13. Listen. Does the president have a sense that most of the criticism is not of leaving Afghanistan, it's the way that he has ordered it to happen by pulling the troops before getting these Americans who are now stranded? Does he have a sense of that? First of all, I think it's irresponsible to say Americans are stranded. They are not. We are committed to bringing Americans who want to come home home. We are in touch with them via phone, via text, via email, via any way that we can possibly reach Americans to get them home if they want to return home. She said they're not stranded. They're not stranded. It's irresponsible to say that. By the way, when journalists were asking her about stranded Americans today, she's like, oh, if you know any of them, please pass their contact info to me. So that was yesterday. Don't say stranded. Irresponsible. They're not stranded. This was today. Cut 30. If one U.S. citizen was suddenly discovered, you know, saying, hey, I really want to get out and I'm stuck, who knows where, somewhere in Afghanistan or in Kabul, he's got any problem, would this trigger a diplomatic, military, or hands-on-deck type thing to get that person out, whatever the date? Our commitment continues to be to U.S. citizens. If they want to leave, we will help get them out. Uh, again, we expect there could be some, uh, but I, I don't, I'm not going to get into it further. Go ahead. We expect there could be some left behind. That's what she was referring to. But she's not going to get into that further. So yesterday, don't you dare call them stranded. They're not. Today, there will be some. There could be some. No further comment. With Brett Bayer reporting that the mission of the U.S. military in Afghanistan is going to shift with already personnel leaving as of now. They started some of the drawdown today. They're going to shift from rescuing people, and it sounds like if you're an Afghan who helped us and put put your neck and your family's necks on the line for us, you are at this stage either running out of time or already out of luck. And we're going to spend three more days trying to rescue Americans, we believe, based on their estimates, there are six to 11,000 Americans still left in Afghanistan with real trouble at that airport. And then they are going to move to getting themselves out. So they hit the deadline that the Taliban announced today they would not budge on. And so the President of the United States said, okay, we won't budge then. Yes, sir. Mr. Taliban boss, that's how it feels. And we asked Liz Cheney about some of this earlier. I want you to hear some of it again, because she's got excellent sourcing. We will replay part of that exchange when we come back on The Guy Benson Show. That speech was pointless, and I don't believe him. It's The Guy Benson Show. Stay tuned. GuyBensonShow.com We are back on The Guy Benson Show. We just heard minutes ago from President Biden. He made some assertions that are being called into question by members of Congress in both parties. One of them, Liz Cheney, Republican of Wyoming, joined me in our first hour. Here's that conversation. Listen. Congresswoman, good to have you. Hi, Guy. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. I just want to read to you a few things that are coming across the wire now in the last few minutes and get your reaction. And I just want to... Start by saying this. I do not want to sound hysterical. I do not want to overstate things. I don't want to get breathless. 
but it is starting to seem like there might be a very, very bad situation starting to play out. Uh, I mean, worse than what we've seen so far on the ground in Kabul. Richard Engel from NBC News tweeted 10 minutes ago, the U.S. Embassy issued its last alert for U.S. citizens to leave Afghanistan or they're on their own. Then they recalled that message half an hour later, which is just chaotic. We now have this from Politico. The Taliban, according to three sources on the ground, the Taliban has now started halting all people trying to get through the airport gates, not just Afghans, but also American citizens. Informal groups are coordinating, and they need to redirect people on the fly because the Taliban, according to Politico and their sources on the ground, the Taliban has started blocking everyone from getting to the airport, including U.S. citizens. And the president has had his statement now pushed back for hours, Congresswoman. You start to look at all of these things being reported, and I I don't know. I just have a feeling that perhaps a bad situation is deteriorating very rapidly, and it is frightening. Your reaction? Well, um, you know, I wish that I could tell you that that that's not the case, Guy, but I share your concern. Um, you know, what we are watching happen uh, is, is, is a catastrophe, and it has been certainly for the last, you know, number of days here. Um, but, you know, we are in a position where the Taliban are not hearing the right message from us. The message that they ought to be hearing from us right now is we will get every American out, and if you prevent us from doing that, you'll, you'll suffer serious and severe consequences. We never should have been in the situation we're in. We never should be in a position where we're trying to get people out only through uh, the airport in Kabul. Um, you know, there are a whole range of, of um, you know, missteps and bad decisions here uh, that, that, you know, go back to 2020. Um, but, but President Biden's uh, decision against the advice of his military leaders um, to completely withdraw by a date certain to launch these, you know, negotiations. And I think one of the things, frankly, people will be looking at for a long time to come is what concessions are we right now making to the Taliban? What have we promised them? Uh, are we paying them? Uh, what, what are they demanding in terms of additional uh, releases, for example, of terrorists that we might be holding? Um, you know, we are in a situation that is a travesty and that's going to do huge damage, you know, certainly um, right now and in the long term to America's strength and standing in the world. Um, and But I'm very worried about the immediate, uh, you know, crisis that American citizens, uh, you know, could be facing on the ground in Kabul as we speak. The White House has put out a statement within the last few minutes because we've all been waiting for hours for the president to speak. So in the interim, they put out this statement. And Congresswoman, you just said, in your view, what the message to the Taliban ought to be, i.e. us calling the shots, us making demands. This is what the White House, I'm reading directly from their press release, quote, completion of the mission by August 31st depends on the continued coordination with the Taliban, including continued access for evacuees to the airport. They're saying we can't do it with the Taliban. That's the White House in black and white, put out minutes ago. Yeah, I mean, look, it, it, it is outrageous. It's outrageous that we 
have have ever you know believed that the Taliban was some kind of a partner for peace. Um, you know the, the the reports that we have on the ground now, for example, are that you've got this Badr 313 organization that is essentially the special forces connected to the Haqqani network. They're connected to Al Qaeda. They're operating freely uh, in Kabul. Um, the Taliban has never renounced Al Qaeda. In fact, the leader of the Taliban swears allegiance to the leader and has sworn allegiance to the leader of Al Qaeda. So, you know, we the, the idea that somehow the Taliban, um, you know, uh, are calling the shots um, is an exceedingly dangerous um, uh, circumstance that we have gotten into because this administration doesn't understand, apparently, the strategic importance of um, you know, having American forces on the ground. Well, can, to I, help can I ask you, I just want to ask you this because, and I made the point at the top of the show, and as an American, of course, I'm a conservative and I did not vote for the president. I don't want to get hyperbolic and overstate things. Is it an overstatement? Because I'm just trying to use critical thinking and look at the strands of evidence that we have before us. It does not seem like a stretch to say that it at least appears as though the Taliban, in a, in a de facto way, is calling the shots and making decisions for the U.S. military. You just sort of repeated that. Do you think that is the case right now, that the Taliban in some ways is actually dictating U.S. policy? Yes. Yes. And, and that, that does appear to be the case. Um, and it also uh, is, you know, you are right to, to be to be stunned by that. You know, here we are just on the verge of the 20th anniversary of 9-11. And, you know, the Taliban harbored al-Qaeda. And as I just walked through, still very much fighting uh, alongside, connected to al-Qaeda. They now control the country uh, and they are determining whether or not we can get our citizens to the airport and out. That that is... um, you know, a dereliction of duty, and I don't say that lightly. Uh, dereliction and, and, there's, and there's reporting, as I just mentioned, that they have stopped letting people in, including U.S. citizens. What we have now is a, a whole flurry of these reports where the White House and the administration is saying we are sticking to the August 31st deadline. It's what the Taliban insisted on hours ago then the president made the quote decision that he was going to do what the taliban said he said that we are on pace to meet the august 31st deadline in terms of getting everyone that we need to out of that country but in order to stay on pace we need the taliban's coordination and help and that there are contingency plans quote unquote in case we need to extend the deadline which has been rejected by the taliban based on what you are hearing congresswoman and i know that you are in frequent contact with a lot of people with intelligence sources people on the ground in afghanistan based on your best understanding of the situation are we on track to get everyone that we need to out of that country within the next week absolutely not absolutely not Uh, and that's based on discussions with people who are talking to folks on the ground that's based on briefings that we've had here um which you know i'm not going to talk about in detail but but we are not on track and the the damage, the devastation to America's um, role as a superpower, to America's ability to defend ourselves, to defend our allies, the damage is incalculable. If we have now gotten into a position where we are depending upon the Taliban, uh, 
which, you know, they are our enemy, depending upon them, radical Islamic terrorists, um, to secure, to, to, to provide for, um, you know, the safe travel and safe passage of U.S. citizens. And, and the fact that the President of the United States doesn't understand that, the fact that our senior military leaders um, aren't being absolutely direct and clear with him, the long-term damage to our interests, our security, to our armed forces, um, of any message other than we will get our people out. If you do not allow us to get our people out, you will face consequences like you cannot imagine, uh, and, and they will be severe and they will be swift. That is the message that the Taliban ought to be receiving, and anything else uh, is an abdication of, of American leadership and authority in the world. John McCormick, who's a reporter at National Review, he's been tweeting out a number of quotes because if people are listening and they just heard you, and my guess is Congresswoman Liz Cheney from Wyoming, saying it is absolutely not the case that we are on track to get everyone we need to out of the country by the 31st of August, even though the White House is insisting today we are on track and we are sticking to that deadline. And that announcement coming just hours after the Taliban said we will not tolerate, there'll be consequences for any extension or attempted extension of that deadline. If you want to doubt Congresswoman Cheney, John McCormick is tweeting out quotes from Democratic lawmakers who have access to intelligence, including Adam Schiff, including Brad Sherman and others, saying we do not believe it is possible to get every American out. Not even the, the Afghans that we owe. We're talking just American citizens to get them all out by August 31st, Republicans and Democrats alike seem to have reached that conclusion based on what they're hearing and they're seeing from the intelligence and sources on the ground. But that seems to be now the the policy on which the president and his administration are doubling down, Congresswoman. And, and all the while, you have the press secretary at the White House scolding our colleague Peter Ducey at Fox News for describing any Americans as stranded. She said they're not stranded. It, it feels like we're sort of through the looking glass here. Well, we are. And, and, you know, the other thing that that we have been hearing um, is that the White House has specifically asked uh, the Pentagon not to request an extension. Um, now, I you know, have not heard that in briefings today, so I want to be careful about the sourcing of that, but um, have heard uh, enough to be concerned that this may be the case, that the White House does not want a request from the Pentagon for an extension. Uh, and that they've sent the message to the Pentagon, do not ask for that extension. Um, now, you know, that, that again, if we are in a situation where, um, you know, the greatest military in the world um, is unable to insist on the safety and security of American citizens and is instead um, living in this fantasy of thinking that we can rely on the Taliban and allowing the Taliban to call the shots, um, the consequences to our security long term, uh, to America's uh, cause, America's fight for freedom, um, they're really very, very significant. And, and the White House needs to, in my view, immediately reverse course, immediately make clear we will get our people out uh, and, and make sure the Taliban understands that uh, and, and that our, our allies uh, and our adversaries understand that around the world. Another piece of news that has broken within the last hour or so, Lucas Tomlinson at Fox reported it. I'm seeing it from other networks as well, that there has been a further drawdown of U.S. troops, military personnel, active right now, underway, coming out of Kabul. 
And you just said there needs to be a credible threat of reprisals and military action if our people are not allowed to leave, if harm, additional harm, comes to U.S. citizens or U.S. visa holders. We know that some Americans have been beaten by the Taliban in the streets trying to get to the airport. We know that some Afghans with visas have been killed. Those are reports that we heard from the Washington Post earlier. If things really go sideways and we really want to have credibility with the Taliban saying, you need to do X, Y, and Z because we're going to impose our will, if the Biden administration is now telling the world we're actually pulling more of our troops out starting now. What message does that send? Well, it is, it's a complete um, lack of any strategic thinking, understanding, any um, commitment to maintaining America's um, supremacy in the world. And look, we maintain our supremacy so that we can defend ourselves, so that our adversaries don't make miscalculations about our security. And with this one action, uh, President Biden uh, has done more damage to uh, our ability to protect and defend ourselves um, than, than, you know, certainly any president um, of the modern era. Uh, This is worse than Saigon. Uh, We're in a situation where those who have attacked us in the past, who killed 3,000 Americans, Um, who continue to threaten the United States, who, you know, one of the things that hasn't been reported is that some of the prisoners who've been released over the course of the last week or so are, in fact, members of external operations teams. These are the al-Qaeda teams specifically targeted with attacking the United States. So this is um, uh, an absolute uh, catastrophe from the perspective of the security of the United States of our homeland, and from the perspective of, of our power and our prominence globally. Um, and, and it all is absolutely unnecessary. You know, if we had maintained 2,500 to 3,500 forces on the ground conducting counterinsurgency, counter, counterintelligence, counterterrorism operations, the Afghans were bearing the brunt of the fight, uh, and we were supporting them. And in, in a you know, matter of just a few weeks here, um, President Biden's decision has led us down a path of real danger and imperiled the nation in ways it's hard to describe. A CNN reporter, Congressman, tweeted a few minutes ago that the Pentagon spokesman John Kirby said that approximately 4,000 Americans have been evacuated out of Afghanistan, 4,000 American passport holders plus their families. Josh Krasauer of National Journal says, remember, the U.S. government's own estimate that 10 to 15,000 citizens, U.S. citizens, were in the country. That was last week. Do the math. There are thousands of Americans still stranded in Afghanistan. And the administration says we are on track. It's, it's breathtaking. We've got to leave it there for now. Congresswoman Liz Cheney, Republican of Wyoming, thank you very much for your time today. Thank you, Guy. I appreciate it. We wanted to replay that entire interview because there were some... Maybe not jaw-dropping, but eyebrow-raising or eye-opening answers from Congresswoman Cheney with very direct language for the president. And I cannot imagine she was impressed with what she saw at 5 o'clock from the president. We'll take a break. One last break here on the show today and come right back. It's The Guy Benson Show. The Guy Benson Show. More next. Home stretch here on the Guy Benson Show. Here's a report from the New York Times. 
A State Department official said, quote, some former Afghan military interpreters or other close U.S. allies, a designated priority group for evacuations, were being turned away from the airport by American officials in order to give priority to U.S. passport and green card holders in recent days. So they're prioritizing Americans. I understand that. But this is all a mess. And the clock will tick down until it looks like Friday, and then it will be the military turning tail and getting their own people out. It was this past Friday, days ago, that President Biden promised in front of the nation that all Americans and the Afghans who helped us would be evacuated. We were going to finish that mission. He promised. That was Friday. Already some of these interpreters, interpreters, top-level Afghans in terms of our priorities, are being turned away from the airport, which is why NBC News likely reports about the fury and disgust at the Pentagon, at the CIA, and in Congress as people start to realize that promise is going to be broken, probably on a vast scale. And we should pray for those people and pray that as many of them can get out as possible. Another low day, another very difficult show. Back here tomorrow on The Guy Benson Show. Have a good night. Hi, everybody. It's Brian Kilmeade. I want you to join me weekdays at 9 a.m. East as we break down the biggest stories of the day with some of the biggest newsmakers and, of course, what you think. Listen live or get the podcast now at briankilmeadeshow.com. From the Fox News Podcasts Network. Hey there, it's me, Kennedy. Make sure to check out my podcast, Kennedy Saves the World. It is five days a week, every week. Download and listen at foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. Listen to the show ad-free on Fox News Podcast Plus, on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music with your Prime membership, or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.